You and are the Yoda of abdominal tumors. I have been so geeky this week, you guys. This is serious business. We are following Peter Jackson one last time, and this is Serious Business, the drunkest, nerdiest podcast on the planet. My name is Rob. I'm filling in for Jeff this week, and today we are proud to conclude our epic trilogy of podcasts, the defining podcast I think this is going to be, covering Peter Jackson's conclusion to the Hobbit series, the Battle of the Five Armies. We're very excited. It's been it's been it's been two years, two years basically covering these movies, and we finally saw the last one, and we'll be going over that this week. But before we do that. I want to introduce you to my co-host, Kristen. Oh, co-host. This is awesome. Yeah, co-host. I think, we, I mean, we don't really need a host when there's just two of us. Well, so. We need someone to go through all the intro stuff that you just did, so I thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you? I'm good. How are yeah. you? <laughs> well, get to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry, geez. So, so, um... But I actually wanted to do this for a while. We always open with a question, and uh, we don't officially have a mailbag, but um, we did have a, a tweet uh, to us <laughs> quite a while ago that I wanted to actually address on air. And because we we're covering a movie uh, this week, I thought that this would be the perfect time to do so. So uh, Brian, who is a loyal listener to This Is Serious Business, oh, thanks, Twitter, 89 days ago, uh, he, <laughs> he Timely. asked... Quote, hey, you guys go to the movies. What's the appropriate response to someone answering their phone during the film? It's true, we do go to a lot of movies, and I want to expand on that question a little bit. It doesn't have to be, be a phone, but I, I noticed this too. I was reminded of this last night when I saw The Hobbit that uh, someone was being rude, and I'm just sick of, of people going to the theater and not, like, th- there's no etiquette anymore. There's just, people just, like, fumbling around like idiots. So I was reminded of this question, and even though Kristen and I sort of, actually Kristen in particular, jumped on this on Twitter, I wanted to take the opportunity on the air, as it were, to address it. So Kristen, now you've had movie theater working experience, mm-hmm. so what's your take on this? Like, if someone's being rude, before going to an usher, what should oh. you maybe do? No, that's actually what you should do. Yeah. Because, I mean, withering glares, if someone's that rude. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, they've got a sitter at home, you know, maybe they've got kids and they can't help it. So try to ignore it is really what you should do. Because you don't know what their situation is. You know, maybe they're waiting on a call that they can't avoid or whatever. And, you know, and, you know, some people might say, well, don't go to the movies then. But I mean, you know. No, yeah, no, I don't want to be a Nazi about it. I think that's fair. I try to be understanding. Just try to ignore it. And you usually can. Withering glares work. (laughs) Not usually. It's in the dark, though, and they might not be... Yeah, in front of you, right? So you might not yeah. uh, see you. So yeah, I mean, the, if it really is being disruptive, and it's probably mm-hmm. not just disruptive to you, the actual official thing is you can go get an usher, and uh, usually they'll be trained to like let you go back in and sit down, and they'll come in like a minute later. Um, yeah. So like they don't. They, <laughs> so you they don't, don't get blamed. <laughs> exactly. So they don't like walk in with you, like you know, they're riding in like the cavalry or whatever. No one. Um, no one shouting narc. Yeah. 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 And even if, you know, they put their phone away by then, you know, that'll sometimes get people to maybe not right. pick it up again because they know that someone... And usually they'll, like, come back again and just kind of, like, you know, do the walk up... The intimidating walk up and down the aisle mm. sort of deal. So that's really what you should... Like, the official 
thing to do. Standard operating procedure. Pretty much. That's good. Uh, yeah, I would have to agree with that. I mean, I'll, I'll just answer my take right now. Is I, <laughs> I usually give people quite a bit of rope with talking and even with their phone. But I have been in recent situations where behavior has like been extended throughout a movie showing, whether it be – it was talking, actually. I don't know if I ever told you the story about me seeing uh, – what was it? Dawn of the Planet of the Apes? No. Rise, whatever it was this year. <laughs> did, did I not tell this on the, sto- on the podcast? I don't think... There were, yeah. Uh, well, so I saw it and I was stuck in one of the, the front rows and the two people right in, in front of me were talking loudly throughout the entire movie. And, uh, and finally, not about the movie. And, no, and not about the movie. What the hell? Just go yeah, to the bar. I know. Why even go? But, like, it'd be so, cheaper. You can get two drinks for the price of one movie today. I know. I know. But <clears throat> there's a twist to this story. Oh, no. So, uh, so I'm sitting there, and I'm it like... It was James Franco. <laughs> it was James Flacco. So it finally got to, like, a really great scene, and they were just really loud over it. So I, I leaned forward, and I, I said pretty loudly, I said... Shut up. Yeah. And I didn't say, like, can you please shut up or can you please... I mean, this was, like, two hours into the movie. And they did. So I'm sitting there and I'm watching. And, like, I'm not the kind of person to ever do that kind of thing. So I'm already rattled. Like, my adrenaline's already sort of pumping. Mm-hmm. So I'm not enjoying any of the movie. And all of a sudden, I, I feel, like, this tap on my shoulder. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. And I'm like, was that, like, just a tick or a bug or something? And I'm like, weird. And then I, another one. And I realized they're throwing food. Doritos, I found out when the lights came on, behind, over their shoulder to hit me. Wow. And I'm like, what is going on? So now I'm like really mad. Now I'm like, I want to dump my soda on <laughs> on these people's heads. My girlfriend who was with me and privy to all this was like begging me to stop because she had a little bit of uh, a different vantage to me and they were like 14, 15 years old. Oh. And I could not see that from my, I thought they were my age. So... Yeah, the movie was ruined for me, and I should have gone to an usher. I should have followed standing operating procedure, and I regret it. So, yeah, don't uh, don't tell people to shut up because you'll get Doritos thrown at you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. During Edge of Tomorrow, there was, like, an old couple who was talking, and, like, even like, they were kind of explaining the movie, but, like, still, like, way too loud. And I was like, do mm-hmm. you mind? Um, mm-hmm. And they didn't hear me or care. So, the, the, yeah, I, that was annoying, but, yeah. Yeah. There's been, uh, I feel like, I don't know if it's because I'm, I'm, I've gotten older and my sensor has become more sensitive to these disruptions, but I just feel like there's like a pretty good chance when I go to the movies that there's going to be some disruption at some point. Well, I mean, well, part of it is like home theaters are so good. It's just like, oh, I could just stay home. Um, right. But uh, I do like going... If it's like a big movie like The Hobbit or Hunger Games, I do like going the opening weekend because most people are going to be fairly polite because they're all fans. And I do like when people talk or react to the movie audibly. And I actually have something to say about that. Uh, Well, yeah. About this movie. There's a funny story about that, but we'll get to that in a bit. Cool. Yeah, no, I think that's different. I think it's when it it just is occurring. Like I was explaining uh, like over the movie, not about the movie or... Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. It is somehow derisive towards the movie. If it's disruptive, like, yes. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't have any problems with uh, like vocal reactions. Yeah, um, that can enhance favorite... it. Yeah. Oh, you go. <laughs> my favorite one was um, during uh, Winter Soldier mm-hmm. when uh, I, th- I think this was on the podcast. That's but, his uh, friend. Yeah, this little kid behind me when they revealed uh, Sebastian Stan 
said, that's his friend. That's cute, though. Yeah. And uh, that's not that's not disruptive. Right. <laughs> but uh, I love that kind of stuff. So, agreed. And uh, what, if anything, are you uh, drinking I'm this fine afternoon? drinking another... Thanks for telling everyone it's the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's nighttime. You don't, don't want to know what time it is over here. It's it's appropriate drinking time. Uh-huh. Three in the afternoon. I am drinking another one of those uh, Framboise Lambic Belgian beer thingies. Oh, that sounds it's quite a, good. It's a smaller bottle this time, but... Oh, why? Did you have a larger one at one point? Well, they, they come in a couple different sizes. The one you see most often is like, I don't know, like a 40 or something. And this is a 12 ounce. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Not doing the tall boy. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, and yes, I, I answered the same question. So there you go, Brian. Uh, I would take Kristen's advice, standard operating procedure. I know it sucks because... You're already missing some of the movie, and then you have to leave the theater and tattle on someone. But, mm. uh, you know, don't get Doritos thrown at you. That's what you want to avoid. Yeah. And uh, I am drinking. I'm not going to say what time it is here. But uh, because <laughs> to, to mark the occasion, I am enjoying just the smallest splash of Evan Williams whiskey. Fantastic. Um, yeah, it's great. Is it uh, cut with anything? or? Nope, uh, just awesome. ice. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So... <clears throat> So, The Hobbit, the third one, the last one, it should be noted that uh, the first movie, when that came around, we were rolling five deep on this podcast, and uh, then the second one came around, and Kristen and I I were the only ones Mm -hmm. game enough to go see it, and then this, uh, the final one came out, and Kristen and I decided to power through and uh, get it done, so... you were more excited to do a podcast. It was. It's true. I'm more excited to do this right now than I was to see the movie because, Whoa. you know, this is fun. But, um, yeah. So um, that gives you a little insight to how our crew, how excited our crew is about this. Basically, we didn't really like the first series. two movies. <laughs> um, but just to give a little context, Kristen, for people who haven't listened, what are you? what's your impression of these movies what have you thought of the previous two and what did you expect going into this one i mean it's a trilogy based on a very short children's story mm-hmm. so they're extremely long they're padded with a whole bunch of things that no one really cares about the editing's not great and there's <laughs> yeah um and there's just wow. way too much cgi it's like you can tell it's green screen like they're just yeah. standing in a room where like you know, for the original trilogy, they built a city in the middle of a, like, on top of a plateau in the middle of a valley in the middle of nowhere. So, so, yeah. so some of the magic was gone from the original trilogy. And, like, yes, there are some goofy moments in the original trilogy, too. But they're few and far between compared to, like, three hours of goofiness. Mm-hmm. So, and, like, there are massive tone problems. Like, you know, we'd be going from, like, barrel rides to beheadings. And yes. it's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. What? Or like, we're you yeah. know, singing about plates, and then it's like a massive epic battle. <laughs> You're right, and I think we've addressed that too, where yeah. it seems like for for this trilogy, they're trying to, you know, have their cake and eat it too, where they're trying to match some of the grisliness of the original trilogy, but also trying to accommodate maybe younger viewers or the, you know, the the more children's tone that the book has, and it ends up being very bizarre yeah. on screen. Well, um, a blogger I like, uh, I mention all the time, Cleo Linda, she made a very good point where, like, 
you know, the original trilogy, like Fellowship starts off very pastoral and kind of sweet and small. And then, you know, it ramps up throughout the stories. Like there's a battle and then a war. And what The Hobbit should have done was reset and go back to like Fellowship levels, but it kept ramping up and then it had nowhere to go. And so that's why we're getting like the battle with that stupid white orc that I can't stand. Yeah. (laughs) Like holding up a dwarf head as a trophy. And yeah, so. Yep. Very briefly, I agree. And the first two movies, part of my problem watching this third one, especially in the first half hour, is how uh, little I remembered of the first two movies. Mm-hmm. You're going to spoil the crap out of the Battle of the Five Armies going forward. So this one opens up. Without a stupid my- flashback! I was so with- happy! No flashback, but it opens up pretty much like the frame after uh, the previous <laughs> movie uh, left off. And. Um, there were things that were happening, like uh, Bard, the Bard character was in jail. I'm like, oh, I don't remember that. <laughs> and then they cut to Gandalf. He's in some kind of jail. I don't remember that. <laughs> and then the female elf, Toriel, I think is her name, she's like in love with one of the dwarves. Don't remember that. And I was like, man, I don't remember any of these movies. I think in that second one, I was just so ramped up to see the dragon. I don't remember any of the setup. <laughs> Something about this movie, third movie, uh, I felt, I don't know, it, it felt refreshing. If It didn't feel as long and daunting yeah. as the other ones. This is like the after-dinner mint of <laughs> Tolkien movies. It was just like, I think it clocks in the shortest of mm-hmm. them, right? It was like two and a half hours yeah. instead of three. Which, man, that final half hour uh, might be the culprit for these movies feeling like, I don't know, like just contests trying to yeah. keep up your attention so felt breezy almost <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> I don't know how as to... interminable as the other two no i i was really surprised which is odd because it was a lot of like faceless armies clashing against each other like i did have a problem telling who was fighting who yeah yeah and actually one of my main points i want to talk about maybe later is how the violence is depicted in this movie and i realized maybe it's sort of related to the tonal problem. Very strange. but um, It's a lot so of bloodless killing. It's but... a lot of bloodless killing. But beheadings. And, yeah, in, yeah, beheadings. And, like, I don't understand, like, actually what is physically happening. And I don't... Because, like, all the... A lot of the armor looks the same. So it becomes... Especially when there's five different factions fighting. Mm-hmm. Who's who? The dwarves kind of look like the orcs. Mm-hmm. Elves stand out because they're, like, gold and tall and right. beautiful. Also, to just, like, the melee of swords and blades, like, these these orcs who are just, like, completely covered in armor go down so easy. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things, I guess I'll just jump into it now, yeah. uh, that I'm, I'm impressed about this, like, I'm going into, like, let's see, nine, I'm going into, like, my 17th and 18th hour of watching Tolkien content, and I'm like, <laughs> wow, these orcs are actually still pretty scary. Like, they come screeching and sprinting out of towers with, like, fucking iron wrought cleavers and, like, silver dollar eyes, and I'm just like, wow, this is amazing. And then, like, they finally get to the battle, and, like, Bilbo's, like, lobbing rocks at them, and they, like, pass out, and I'm like, man, you can't do that. It totally, like, diffuses all the tension and comes off as really silly and ridiculous. I totally thought they're like, wow, Bilbo's got an arm on him. <laughs> I know. He's like the Nolan Ryan of throwing rocks and, and taking yeah. things. Yeah. Uh, that's a sports reference. Oh, um, boy. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> that one slipped past 
usually keep those at bay for the yeah, podcast. Right. Another tonal problem, I guess, where, you know, the design is very scary and the execution is very sort of slapstick. Yeah, and, like, when the white orc goes down mm-hmm. sort of the first time, I heard people in the audience, like, Thorin tricks him and he goes under, like, an ice shelf. And yep. someone in the audience is like, really? That's how he goes? And, I mean, it isn't, but for a while you think it is. And I thought that was funny. But maybe, I, maybe I'm weird because... I was fine with it, but... I thought was... it was awesome, and I thought it was kind of beautiful the way they, they filmed it, and, you know, all the... Um, orchestration of the action. Peter Jackson is very great at that, and I thought that this mm-hmm. was just a wonderful sort of like death rattle for this um, this character who was evil for some reason. And he but goes it, I don't down know, from was... trickery, not brute strength. And I thought that right, was cool. Right, right, very cool. But other of people were cor- frustrated. So. Yeah, I don't know. But they Maybe. got their due because he comes back. <laughs> yeah, freaking hate that orc. Uh, so what I mean, I talked about the breeziness. You agree? What What was your theater experience? You didn't see in three D, did you? I did. Oh, you did? Yeah. So oh. you saw the wacky schmacky. No, version. no, no, I didn't because oh because high frame rate and three D are not one and the same. It's oh, so fucking confusing. I actually called the theater and said because I went with a friend who doesn't like the high frame rate. It kind of gives her vertigo. So mm-hmm. I called the theater and said the theater I wanted to go to because they have the reclining like leather seats and I want to be comfy for three fucking hours. So I said, are you getting, you have a 3d showing at seven thirty? Is that also high frame rate? And the guy was like, uh, I don't know. It's like, oh. could you find someone who does? Yeah. Can you look it up or something? <laughs> like, what do you think I was going to be like? Okay, thanks. Bye. And so like, you know, put me on hold and they said, we're not getting high frame rate. Thank you. Perfect. So I don't, I mean, I was kind of sitting at an angle. So the 3d was a little fucked up, but I don't care. <laughs> as long as yeah. it's not high frame rate, I don't care. Yeah. Well, yeah. to quickly recap, I saw the first one in high frame rate, and it was, like, delightfully absurd, oh, and right. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> then I saw the second one in high frame rate, and the magic was kind of gone. Uh-huh. And f- so for this one, I just saw it regular. 2D? 2D. Wow. And actually, you know, I enjoyed, I enjoyed it just as much, mm-hmm. I think. I think it was just the surprise of that Benny Hill effect in that first one that was just so, like, clap-worthy, delightful. So, uh, and was it crowded? You said that there was some theater interaction that was interesting or amusing or something? Yeah, I mean, you know, it wasn't like a raucous crowd. It was full, but they weren't making a ton of noise until really the end. Basically, my favorite part, and by favorite I mean least favorite and most ridiculous, was the end, the battle's over, and uh, we're cutting back to Legolas and his dad. And, like, that whole conversation was just such bullshit. Um, Yeah, it really was. (laughs) All right, so first off, Legolas has kind of been, like, on Toriel's side, and so he's kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I'm not doing that, Dad! I don't care what you say. What? What is the deal? Is he, like, in an arranged marriage with her or something? No, because the dad was just, like... You can, he said to Toriel, you can never marry because you're just like a sylvan elf. I don't know what the fuck that means. There's so much gibberish. Yeah. Like, they're talking about, like, we're going to gobble gore. And I was like, I don't know what you're... Eh. Yeah, man. Yeah, there's so much gibberish yeah. in this movie. <laughs> but, like, apparently Legolas is in love with Toriel or something, but she wants to bang a dwarf, so whatever. Um, yeah, okay. So Legolas is trying to be a nice guy or whatever. So he got in a fight with his dad, but they make up at the end. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and also, like, Legolas like, oh, my mom died at this orc palace or whatever. <laughs> 
That's yeah. all we've heard of her. And then, like, at the end, his dad's just like, your mother loved you, by the way. And, like, my friend and I are looking at each other like, was that his deal? Like, d- did Legolas have mommy issues? Did did he not think she loved him? Like, Apparently, there are so many shoehorned uh, like we, emotional moments in this like, movie. Like, Legolas has daddy issues in one line of dialogue. Yeah. And then... Really. And so I am. Um, I can kind of see down the row, and like everyone's just kind of staring at her, like, "Wait, what?" Um, <laughs> and then Legolas is like, "You know, I can't go back or something." And Thranduil is like, "Okay, well, uh, go to the north and find the Dunedain. There is one there that we call Strider, but mm-hmm. his real name you'll have to find out for yourself." And I just saw like the entire line of people throw up their arms, including me, and go, "What the shit?" And yeah. then someone went, "Aragorn." Yeah. Like, yeah. We, we fucking get it. <laughs> that yeah, that was one of the the more irritating points of the movie where it felt it needed to reference the next movie mm-hmm. in some way. And, and they're cutting away from Bilbo and Thorin, which is like the more important. Like, right. I don't give a shit. I feel so right. bad, like talking shit about the one female character, one of two. Yeah. Um, but like her whole plotline is so pointless. It's not good. Yeah. yeah. I, like, I feel the same not way. A waste of space, but like they gave her like practically nothing to do. So yep. every time they cut back to her, it's like, Oh God, why? Yeah. I, I thought the they same were going to kill her. Cause like they didn't, oh, really? they didn't say where she wound up. And so I thought she was going to like go out in a hail of glory or something. And she just kind of holds her dwarf friend's hand. Yeah. That's yep. That's it. Yeah, yeah, it was not... For a second, I thought she was going to wind up with Thranduil. Because she has this whole thing, like, she tells him, you know, you don't know love. And then he, she says, mm-hmm. if this is love, I don't want it. It's like, oh, maybe we'll have a loveless marriage together or something. And <laughs> she'll be queen God. of Kirkwood, whatever. That would have that been the additional half hour that this movie, thankfully, didn't Some have. Some fucking, like, elf wedding or something. Yeah, right, exactly. Can, can we talk about Lee Pace's eyebrows for a minute? Oh, just because... Lee Pace is just the best part. The thing with this movie... What is going on with those eyebrows? Those it... are the most intimidating eyebrows this I've ever seen. This movie is just sustained by like adorable little fantasy elements just like the the dwarf on a pig and like the elk yep. and like yeah, all this little elk, shit yeah. that's just so amusing mm-hmm. that it keeps you going yeah like i feel billy like Connolly. billy Connolly as as thorin's cousin or something leading the dwarf oh. army was one of the best parts of the movie like he just says um, you don't recognize his face but then he starts speaking no his like, voice oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, ben, Billy Connolly is uh, amazing in this in this movie. He doesn't have a, a, enough to do, but and they did sneak him up in there. Yes. The war goats and the elk. And yeah, the, oh, yeah. So good. It's uh, it's it's kind of disappointing that is it Thandral? Is that his name? Yeah. Lee Pace. Yeah. Uh, he and uh, Billy Connolly's character, who is a name I can't remember, some some of these peripheral characters ended up being just a little more interesting than. Sadly, uh, Toriel's character, who, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I feel bad saying it because I know that they, you know, went out of their way and tried to get like a, a female story into this adaptation, but it just doesn't hit home Mm-mm. in any any stage. And, and like I said, her a love triangle. It's like, okay. yeah, yeah, ugh, yeah. So that was disappointing. I, I felt like there were. Ugh, I was most disappointed, I think, in that they've been building on um, the return of Sauron in these past movies, and they finally come comes to a head, I think. That was the most confusing sequence for me. And, and it looked the worst. And it looked the worst. It, like, uh, the, the nine it, are, like, appearing looked like a PowerPoint 
like yeah. animation. It was yeah. so bad. Yeah, so I liked so, that fight, but they didn't look good. Yeah, there there were, there was a lot of things going on in that scene. Uh, just to re- quickly recap, it's Gandalf's storyline. He's investigating where what that that poison blade comes from that ends up being in fellowship and um the return of, of Sauron who is uh, is evident somehow I don't even I shouldn't he's be recapping this but yes right Sauron. right so he's so he's investigating that he gets captured with the other wizard and uh Radagast wow I can't believe I remember that and um yeah yeah and then uh the elves and um Christopher Lee Poor Christopher Lee, who they, yeah. I'm sure they are propping up at this point. Like, he does not look well. Well, it, like, he it, only had two shots of his face. The rest is obviously a stand-in. Yes. And he's, you know, he's, he's flipping around doing, like, his Darth, Darth Maul yeah. um, impression, fighting these ghosts of the Nine, who are the Nine Men, or, who have the Nine Rings. Or his Count Dooku impression. Ah. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> Shut up. Anyway. <laughs> What? He's in Star Wars. Anyway. You know, I know. And you know what? For but one more topic before we break, you reminded me of Count Dooku because I was reminded of Count Dooku in that Count Dooku is the big bad in Attack of the Clones and then gets beheaded in pretty short order in Revenge of the Sith, much like our friend Smaug, yeah. who is killed before the title card of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I expected it because I read the book. And I thought, actually, it was pretty well done. It's actually a pretty fun sequence. But how did you feel? I mean, the dragon was pretty much all we talked about for the second movie. How did you feel about him being drummed out so early? that whole death is foreshadowed so hard. Almost to the point where they're like, how are we going to take him down? Like, how about the arrow you were talking about, like, Mm. an hour ago? Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, in movie time, you were just talking about this. Anyway. No, I thought it was fine. I thought it was a good opening sequence. Again, I was happy there wasn't some dumbass flashback. Like, I have Desolation of Smaug on mute playing right now, and they've got that stupid flashback where it's, like, Thorne meeting Gandalf and talking about going on a quest. Like, yeah, we know. Like, that's the entire first movie. We, they know each other. We get that. <laughs> so this movie kind of wasted no time just, like, getting going. I was just so happy. And, like, Smaug lays waste to Lake Town in, like, no time. And, yep. And, I mean, that's only good for the character. Like, you know it is showing how destructive he is. So I think that, mm-hmm. you know, it was over in like 10 minutes. Like, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, I have to agree. I, I guess a small part of me was hoping that they were going to alter the text a little bit to have Smaug survive and be a bigger part of, of this final movie. But the way it was done, I thought, was suitable. And they I, there was actually one point where I was like, man, Cumberbatch doesn't even have any lines in this movie. Like, they're just oh, yeah. going to make him roar. But uh, he does have like a final monologue, and it's pretty fun. And, uh, and it yeah, looked great. It yeah, it's one of the best looking parts yeah. in the entire movie, if not the best, because uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, man, that, I I have to say one of the things that differentiates this trilogy from the prior one is the way that they look. And mm-hmm. we talked about how stagey they kind of look. And man, there is so much CGI going on in these movies. Mm-hmm. Especially when you got, like, fire being, like, shot all around you. Like, the lighting looks weird. And, yeah, I I mean, for some of the things that look so incredibly great in these movies, and there are many things, but so much of it also looks not quite as good. Yeah. Well, you you say we're going to take a break? Yeah, let's break now. And and then we'll we'll come back. And then we'll talk about all the close-ups on Richard Armitage's face. Yes. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> we'll be back after this. Talking the Battle of the Five Armies, the final Hobbit movie. Me and Kristen, we we powered through, we soldiered through eight and a half hours <laughs> of Hobbit content just for the listening audience. And uh, we've, we've been kind of all over the place, but uh, we want to talk about a trip out sequence that uh, the lead dwarf Thorn had. He has dragon sickness in this movie, and he is obsessed with his gold. Like okay. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Kristen has some strong feelings on this, stronger than I have, I believe. So Kristen, take it away. Yeah, it's just, it's so long. This whole sequence where we get a recap of what everyone has to say to Thorin about everything for like the past two movies, mm-hmm. um, as he's standing on the solidified lake of gold that they tried to, you know, smother Smaug in. And like, you know, it becomes like this cavern and he has a whole hallucination. That's obviously not because... You know, it's obviously not real because they keep cutting back to real life Thorin and these really uncomfortable close-ups of his face. And then he just, like, throws his crown away and they cut to something else. And it's yeah. just, hold on. Okay. <laughs> and it's just, it's so, it just shows absolutely no trust in the actor because they're replaying all these clips of, like, dialogue over his face. And it's just, like, they don't think he could telegraph his own anguish enough they have to actually do like a oral montage of his descent into madness or something and it's just yeah ridiculous yeah you actually bring up some good points and you, you remind me of an, another issue i had with the entire movie actually but that sequence i liked more than you liked i wasn't in love with it but i'm imagining it now without all that dialogue and it would have been much more effective if it was mm-hmm. just visual but it had and- to be much shorter it, had, it wouldn't have to be much shorter. I did like the dragon tail floating underneath. Yeah, that was, that was of, cool. Yeah, it was cool. And I do like, uh, not to get too off base, but I loved when uh, they used Cumberbatch's voice when he was saying stuff about the gold. Yeah, did but it's completely... Yeah, did I notice that? <laughs> Are you shitting me? <laughs> no, tell me more. Do you think uh... I was kind of turning into the dragon? I couldn't tell. It was so obvious. I know, and that's and that's my bigger point that you remind me of here is that there is so the heavy handedness yeah. of of the gravitas of this movie or the implied gravitas of this movie. The score. This is the first movie oh. where I, I found the score to be so suffocating. Like mm-hmm. just oh, let sure. these actors doing? breathe for a second. Like we get it. Like this is an emotional moment. In fact there was one point in the final battle between Thorin and the pale orc over the ice, which I actually quite liked. It was quiet, right? It, yeah, they cut ah. the they cut the score and it was amazing because like it got so tense and I was just like you could have been doing that this whole time and giving the actors whether they were displaying physicality or actual performance would have given them much more agency and not relied on an ocean of like violas to telegraph to us that this is like, hey, uh, the stakes are high. It's like, yeah, we we get it. There's like an army standing outside a castle. We understand what the stakes are. So 
yeah, I, I don't recall any of the other Lord of the Ring movies, even the Hobbit movies, being quite as oppressive in that way. Did you notice that throughout, or was it just that Thorn sequence? No, I noticed the music, and it wasn't quite to the same caliber, and it was just very loud and constant. As the other side of the coin to that sort of comment, let's talk about how we characterize this as breezy. Because I do think Peter Jackson was successful in doing something that I don't think he's ever done before in these movies, is actually like getting to the point a little bit. And, <laughs> uh, and actually, I mean, I may have been projecting when I was watching this movie, but there's a point where Thorne comes out after he throws his crown and overcomes his dragon sickness. And he comes to the other dwarves and he says, I have no right to ask this of any of you, but can you follow me one last time? And I was like, if Peter Jackson didn't write that line, he should have. Because like this has been like a questionable allocation of everyone's time, right? <laughs> this entire series. <laughs> so so um so everyone in the theater I, I feel like somewhere in their mind is like nodding it's like yeah yeah why are we doing this why are we here this late in the this story it, it, taking this long and um i don't know i think like he was mindful of that in this in this one and like i said it is shorter and it just felt much more streamlined there were a couple of points where god th- th- there's the the, the female elf storyline. There's the Gandalf Sauron storyline, which I'm glad they got out of the way right in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But then, like, once they streamline it to, you know, the army is standing outside the mountain and who gets the gold, I thought it was very successful. And I actually thought, watching and I was like, maybe this is the reason why this is three movies because Peter Jackson realized that this sequence, which is maybe a chapter in the book, <laughs> but well, um, was the story... Right, right, yeah, I do remember that, too, when I was thinking back to the book. Bilbo isn't even conscious for this part of the story, but maybe he identified it as, like, this is the part of the story I really want to tell. How do we How do we make that happen? Um, how do you feel about that? I feel like, yeah, it is slightly more streamlined. Like, they're, like, they actually never cut back to the battle too much once we get Thorin up and doing, like, his one-on-one combat with the Pale Orc and trying to get to him. Like, he, at one point, like, overlooks the battle, but you kind of can't even tell what's going on. Because you can't tell who's winning at the time. There's eagles, so, like, you kind of assume that they're winning, but whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um, there was a lot of just, like, random battle scenes. And I was thinking about, like, Battle of Pelennor Fields, which is actually much shorter, even though it's technically a larger war. Because there's almost no scenes. Like, there'll be shots, but there's almost no scenes without a named character engaging in combat just to clarify what uh battle is that the that's return, return of the, the king, king. Yeah. yeah like you know they'll show like you know gandalf in a couple of scenes and they'll like cut away for like random battle right. but mm-hmm. then it'll be like the uh rohirrim are showing up and mm-hmm. then the oliphants or whatever the hell uh show yeah. up and so there's always yeah. like you know it's always new it's not just like another version of the same battle that we've seen so yeah. there was just a lot of unnamed characters kind of doing random shit uh, in this one, but, uh, like, you know, there's those fantasy elements I was talking about before that kind of sustained interest, at least, so it wasn't completely boring. Um, right. Like, I don't think Arthur, like, the... Oh, oh wait. Wait, who's Arthur? Arthur is the one, uh, like, the shady political, like, town guy. With like, the unibrow? Yeah. 
Like, I don't know why they kept, like, cutting back to him. Like, he never, they never wrapped up his character. No, because it's, like, something for Bard to do. I I mean, Bard has his kids to look after. Like, fuck that guy. Like, he doesn't change. There's, like, he doesn't get killed, and he doesn't have redemption arcs. So what's he doing in this movie so much? Yeah. Except, like, screw things up a little bit, but not enough to, like, propel any further action. It's mostly, like, visual gags, too. Yeah. And his final appearance. And they have the dwarves to be comedic relief. Um, and that was the thing that I know, like, they're trying so hard to get us to care about the dwarves, and I just don't. Like, in the beginning, there's the attack on Lake Town, and they cut back to the dwarves who have been in the mountain. Because um, they left some behind, so, like, fuck you, we don't care. Um, but, like, they cut back to the dwarves, and they cut back to, like, every single one's individual reaction. None of them speak, but I don't give a shit what Ori has to think about the battle going on in Lake Town right now. Yeah, yeah. Like they're they're guilty. I get it. I don't need to see them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's weird, and I did I did get the sense that in this final movie, Jackson was probably trying to give each of those actors a moment at the very least, a close up. And then you know, there are also a couple sequences where the individual dwarves have something to do one of them confronts thorin another one is killed by the the pale work um so yeah but like you the know loyalty I, I, it's also all over the place because at first they're like we'll never let anyone take our gold and then like the battle starts and like we should be out there fighting it's like wait what yeah i i mean i i have to agree i don't think i would argue that this final battle is as engaging as even return king's final battle which i'm not even a huge return of the king fan but I did appreciate that maybe I was just happy that all the setup was over. And, like, I, under- <laughs> I understood what the stakes were. And even – maybe that's even overreaching. I don't understand what the yeah, st- stakes say, are. The pale, or- the pale Orc, does he want the gold? Like, what the fuck is going on? And he- he's, like, on top of a mountain, like, shouting down at this battle like it's – like it's hearing. Like it's Iron Chef or something. And he's it- – uh, he wants to kill Thorin. Okay, I, I don't remember. For some reason, that was said five hours ago, and I honestly can't recall it. And then they're not reminding me, and I can appreciate the fact that they're trusting the audience. But I'm sorry, I need to be reminded. <laughs> well, I think um, at one point he's getting uh, orders from the necromancer. Uh, oh, yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, it's weird, and I don't even. Un- I was thinking about it today before we recorded. Is there even... There's no resolution to who gets the gold? Or, like, nope. what happens to any of that shit? Like, suddenly Bilbo's <laughs> walking away with a ton of swag. And and I guess, like, Thorin's cousin becomes king. Like, eh. Yeah. Well, I mean... The flip side of that is that when the movie is ending, it is one of the, the leanest and um, most direct endings... Any of these, I think, of any of these movies, um, in either trilogy, and that is because it doesn't take the time to be like, and then this character became a nobleman in this land, and then yeah. this character got married. It's just like, well, that was something, and uh, it's time for Bilbo to go home. And then he's <laughs> old, actually, and it's his birthday. It's his birthday. At the very end of the movie, when Gandalf shows up. Yes, and I did like that nice loop to uh, fellowship. Um, I don't know what the 
whole deal was with the auction, except that it must have been in the books. Like, yeah, he gets I think home it... and they're auctioning off his stuff. Yeah, and it's like this very bittersweet ending, but I kind of don't do anything with it. Like, kind of their whole the whole thesis of the this trilogy is like you know, you know Thorin says if more people love home more than gold, it would be a happier place, and that's kind of where Bilbo ends up. And then, except that home kind of sucks. Yeah, but I I did like that he got I, there was something like you said bittersweet about him getting back to his um, his Hobbit hole, his home, which has always been like the coziest little nook oh of a place. Oh my god, I want it. And it was totally ransacked, and um, it's just him sort of standing there. And I thought that oh, this is great. I don't necessarily know what this is trying to communicate, but it mm-hmm. is effective in some way. Yeah. So yeah, I liked that. It's actually a great moment. <laughs> And I, I I actually laughed a number of times during this movie, but I definitely laughed at the moment after Thorin dies at the end. The battle is over. Oh, and Gandalf? Bil- Bilbo sits down, and he's, like, devastated, and Gandalf sits down, and he's just cleaning his pipe. Trying to toke and up. And... Trying to toke up, and there's no dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the two of them sitting there, and it was just like, oh, what was the point of all this yeah. You know what I mean? Like, And Martin and I Freeman felt, is so great in these. Oh, his character has a weird place, even as a protagonist, in this story, for sure. Like, but every, There's every, no reason for him to be there, but he's the big beating heart of this entire trilogy, even though he's right. barely in it, even though it's called The Hobbit. It's called The Hobbit, and there are definitely a number of times where they cut to him, and it's basically to remind you that he's in the room, because just so many other things going on that he, he has not <laughs> spoken up. He has not, not said anything. He has no stake in this of it. It's very strange. But when he's betraying Thorin and he's he's in the room with uh, Thranduil and Bard and mm. Thranduil's like, aren't you the one who like broke the dwarves out of my dungeon? He's like, yep. <laughs> so cute. Oh, I was dying. Like there was a lot of laughing in my theater and sometimes at parts where there shouldn't have been. But that was like one of the most genuine laughs in the yeah. entire. And it was absolutely like supposed to be there. And it was just so great. Mm-hmm. Just he, yeah, you know, that, he's pulling his face. He's mugging a lot, but it it works. Yeah, so. I thought Thorin's death scene was great, and oh, he's so good at mourning people, isn't he? Different, yeah, it different. <laughs> Had a lot yeah, of practice. Yeah, a lot of practice. But uh, that was a death scene that I don't think we've seen in this series, where there's sort of like a, a non-acceptance of the mourning party, and uh, it just. It's played pretty well. In fact, I thought they cut away too quick. Oh, definitely, um, absolutely. I thought they should have given uh, Freeman a little, little more rope there. Yeah, I wanted but, to um, rip my heart out, and they didn't quite. Yeah, I want to taste your tears, Martin. Right. Mm-hmm. Very strange, strange movie. Any other thoughts? I'm um, trying to think. How do we, how do we wrap this up? It, it was, it's been just a wildly uneven yeah. series, and um, the end even of though another I, era. And that, the end of another era. For sure. And was this better? Well, I guess we'll get to ratings. But um, yeah, any 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 cl- closing thoughts and then, then we'll do some ratings. You Go know ahead. what? I don't think it was actually much better than any of the other movies, but it felt shorter. And so in that way, <laughs> it was a more enjoyable experience. It was better in that it, it ended faster. Right. I mean, yeah. there, there are good moments in all three movies, but some of them are just fewer and further between. This one had probably more interesting things to like or laugh at hmm. per amount of time in the movie than the other ones. So I, so I guess it was better. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was good, but 
it was fine. It was fine. Hmm. Okay, so uh, let me give you a metric here. Okay. For rating. Oh, I had some and I didn't write them down and now I'm blanking. Damn it, so, Rob. I know. I'm so very terrible at this. Okay, I remember. From one to five. Random um, ass elf diamonds that they only sort of care about. Oh. Yeah, you know what? Go ahead. Or we'll elf booties. Oh, I, actually, wait, let me preface this where for context's sake, we're going to do multiple ratings. So, okay. for. Okay. So this is going to be a lot of metrics. All right. So for the random, random elf diamonds that were were relevant for all of twenty seconds, mm-hmm. um, how would you rate this individual movie? Uh, three. Three. Out of five, right? Out of five. Yeah. Okay. So I'll do from one to five mid-air Cumberbatch death rattles. Yeah. I'm gonna give it. That's actually kind of sad. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna give it three and uh, three and a half Ooh. for this individual film. One upper uh, for the yeah, one upper. Yeah, it's like uh, Price is Right. <clears throat> I want to get context on this movie, so we're gonna do a couple more. So let's say from one to five, whatever filters they're using on Kate Blanchett's voice to make it sound so very awesome when she gets all evil and her mad. face. Yeah, how would you rate the entire Hobbit trilogy? Um, I don't know, man. The whole thing is kind of legacy tarnishing. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think that should just count as a rating. That's pretty damning. Uh, two. Two. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to, from one to five uh, British men in blue mo- mocap leotards, I'm going to give the Hobbit trilogy a two and a half. I'm going to wobble one up you here. Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and now for the greater context, from one to five, two sec Machia eagle scenes, how would you rate the original Lord of the Rings trilogy? Oh, man. Um, oh, man. Uh, I'm between a four and a five. So four and a half, Really? Yeah, you, you're one of the bigger fans that I know. I really I, like it, and I, it's hard to separate, like, the fandom and, you know, like, all the extraneous stuff, and, like, like I took classes in, in school because of, you know, like, <laughs> the behind-the-scenes footage made it look fun, you know? Like, yeah. that's why I took sound design, is because yeah, they made it look fun. That's true. So yeah. it's kind of hard to, like, shake that. Um, so five. Well, four... Why do you even consider? I thought five was going to yeah, be easy. Yeah, it's Why five. Do you consider the four. Okay, it's five. No, like, right. I, I've watched them recently, and like there are some parts that hold up less, but but I still love it. So five. Okay, and from uh, one to five, help me out here, and and you just need one more from one to five. Uh, dwarves and barrels, because that's the scene I'm watching right now. Okay, from one to five, <laughs> dwarves and barrels riding down a river for no reason. I'm going to give. <laughs> The Lord of the, the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, uh, three. One up my five score, asshole. <laughs> that doesn't one up. That's 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 a plummet. That's why um, I picked it. You um, said three. Yeah, I said three. Yeah. Okay. I actually like them quite a bit. You they have just haven't aged. It, buddy. They, I liked them quite a bit in high school and in college, and then you know I haven't really revisited them, mm-hmm. and uh, it's actually been weird to watch these Hobbit movies that. I, I feel like are referencing them all the time, and me just sort of like wondering to myself, is that should I know? Is that a wink to me, and I'm not just remembering? 
I mean, I think they're great, and they're. I mean, we've identified many of the things that we felt were were better tackled in that trilogy. That note you had from that that blogger, I think, was dead on. That they continued to try to ramp up from Return of the King rather than resetting it. That that's well said. Well, here we are at the end of uh, the journey. The Hob trilogy concluded. More importantly, the podcasts concluded. Hold um, off the Summerillion. No, please. <laughs> Please don't do that. I feel like if you listen closely enough during this movie, you could hear Peter Jackson like just screaming, like, let me out of here. Please, can I not do these anymore? It, it's not brought up enough, but it should be reminded to everyone that he did not want to make these movies. Are you uh, sure? Well, he wanted to produce them, and Guillermo del Toro was up to direct them. And then I think probably... Guillermo looked at what a schedule of what yeah. would take to make these movies, and was like, you know what, fuck this, I am not doing this. So he ended up just scripting it, and Peter Jackson was the only only other person they can find who was willing to do it. I don't like to think that that's evident in the execution of these movies, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. As just a wrap up, there was one person dressed up in my theater, and they're dressed up as Gandalf, and they and their friend were sitting on the other end of my row, and we were all like. We hung through the credits, not because we were expecting anything, but like we were, like my friend and I were just kind of chatting because we had much to discuss. And so the credits finally ended, and we hear the friend of Gandalf saying, like, well, it's the end of the trilogy. And it kind of sucked. Wow. It's like, wow, even the dudes dressed up were like, mm. Wow. So. Well, maybe we'd take a moment just to talk about the waningness of. Is, has there been a, a of like a decrease in fandom because of these movies? Do you think? Well, I mean, like the fandom for Lord of the Rings is old, and so it's hard to say. Yeah, you know, like it, it's always it's one of the old ones, you know. Well, you mentioned that this was tarnishing. So, what do you mean by that? Well, I just mean like they're like the goofy scenes or whatever, you know, like weird transitional things that just stand out more now that you sort of see. Mm-hmm what Peter Jackson will do in The Hobbit. And, like, you know, it just brings down the overall score of the entire body of work, you know? Right. Yeah, that happens a lot. Yeah. Sure, questionable allocation of people's time. I I don't think that they're terrible movies by any stretch of the imagination, mm-hmm. but there is there is something sort of latently irritating about them. It's trying to, to match maybe that first trilogy a little bit. That's why it would have been interesting to maybe get another director to take... Mm-hmm. This trilogy in a different direction than someone who has already executed so many awesome ideas, and it'd be like, "Hey, can we wring another, you know, nine hours out of you?" And it's just like, I don't really blame him for you know not building a city and just saying like, "You know what? This time I'm doing CGI." Yeah. <laughs> so, well, that's it. The Hobbit and the podcast mm-hmm. concluded. The Hobbit and the Hobbit podcast. Come the on. Hobbit podcast. We're not stopping the podcast. Right? <laughs> so let's uh, let's move on to uh, end the episode. The way we end every episode with Geek of the Week, whatever we've been reading, are you prepared um, for this? Watching. Are you oh actually, yeah. Are you actually prepared for it this week? Uh yeah. I the a... one segment we do every week that somehow always takes you by surprise. Yeah. Well, it takes yeah because I I don't do stuff anymore, so I have to like really dig deep. And uh, figure something out. But, uh, you know, I- I'm ready for this one. If you're not ready, I can go first. No, I got this. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, so, Kristen, what uh, non-Hobbit thing have you been doing in the-, the last week or so that you think is notable? Well, falling back in love 
in like with Neil Gaiman <laughs> a little bit. Ooh. I read Neverwhere a couple of years ago, and it was awful. And and I think it's the novelization of a radio play he wrote, or, or a TV show. I think that's how it goes. Like, there's a TV show that he worked on, and then he, like, wrote the books of that. Yep. And mm-hmm. and it just, it wasn't good. It was no. like, no, it's about a sad sack who winds up in another dimension. And he, like, bitches the entire time he's there. And it's just, like, doesn't like it at all. And then at the end, you know, he can go back to his normal, boring office job, or he can go back to this world, and he's like, oh, it's where I truly belong. Like, really? You hated it. You hated every second of it. <laughs> but It's like it's like the Matrix if, if Neo was like, you know what, I want to go back to my cubicle. Yeah, no, that's kind of what it is. And so I was just like, eh, I'm good. But then I got a copy of Anansi Boy's which is sort of a cousin to American Gods, but much more self-contained. It's only about one god. I guess two. Whatever. But that was really interesting, and Neil Gaiman kind of has a tendency to, like, have really good ideas and no follow-through. And this one, you know, it kind of tidied everything up. Maybe a little too tidy. (laughs) (laughs) But then um, I also, uh, Ocean at the End of the Lane, was on sale on Kindle. So I just read that in the last day because it's super short and it was pretty gnarly. At one point, yeah. there's like a worm in some guy's foot and he like pulls it out. Like, you know, I don't need to read about that. Um, <laughs> I'm getting like weird foot pains. Like, ow, ow, ow. Gross, gross, gross. So yeah, but it, it, it was really good and it was really interesting. It wasn't what I was expecting, but it was good. It was, and that's not a bad thing. So hmm. yeah, uh, a Nancy Boys and uh, Ocean at the End of the Lane. So, so Neil Gaiman again, yay! Quick follow-up, what of his made you like him in the first place before? I did like American Gods. It does have, yeah. like, definitely the dropped threads problem. Yeah. Um, like a lot. But just, in, like, I do like his take on myths and, like, the wibbly-wobbliness between two worlds. There's magic everywhere, and I like that. And I love Good Omens. And that has Terry Pratchett to kind of even things out a bit because they're very similar, but you know, they work well together, but you know, they worked off each other's strengths and, and there's actually a radio play coming out soon of good omens. So that's going to be very exciting. That's cool. Yeah. Huh. I love that book. It's one of my favorite books. I have not read that one. Oh, it's uh, so good. I read American gods, which for like 150 pages, I thought was amazing. And then I, then there's still like 250 left. And I was like, where is this going? And by the end I was like, man, that uh, really diluted yeah. itself. Um, I, like, my favorite sequence in that is not, like, one of the big, like... Is it the the truck on the lake? Kind thing? of. Um, yeah. No, it's it's the one where uh, Shadow is just trying to get groceries. And he's, like, underestimated how cold it can be in Minnesota or wherever he is um, oh. in the Midwest. And he's like, I'm dying. And it's just, like, <laughs> him walking. <laughs> I don't know if I remember that part. I but... like, I barely remember, but I just remember like him being very cold and just like calculating like, can I go back and get a sweater or should I keep going into town? And like, I'm kind of fucked right now. And then someone comes and picks him up. But it was just like very simple, and I like that. Yeah, and I remember there's this like story. It's almost episodic. There's this storyline that's very isolated in the middle of the story about um, this small midwestern town that every year drives a truck into the middle That's of a frozen lake. That's the last half. That's not isolated. No, it's not the last half. It's like in the middle and then Shadow leaves and then there's like one chapter left at the end, right? 
where he no, like, figures it out. No, like, he's in this town, and then, like, or maybe not, uh, but, like, <laughs> like, there's a whole murder thing, and, like, the car is part of it. Yeah. Yeah, the spoiler alert. <laughs> they're they're hiding a murdered young person. Like someone is murdered every year, and they're like, "What are they?" Like, then they never show up again, yeah, and they realize, yeah, that they put it, it in a car. Yeah, which is a part of a town lottery, which shouldn't have a dead body in it. Yeah, um, right. The, the dead and, body is part of the lottery. But but, but the, the dead body inside is the way to conceal a sacrifice to one of the gods who's secretly living in the town. And I thought that is a whole book. That is. A, a great book that's such a great idea and it is not the main narrative thrust of the story at all it's it's very much like a side quest for shadow but i always remember that part and i have to say too like i had a lot of problems with his marvel 1602 but i still remember it very vividly and i think that counts for something like mm-hmm. he was done doing something so oh, yeah, Sandman. different oh yes yeah, <laughs> yes yeah, sandman which is going to be a movie at some point. Oh, uh, I have not, still not read Sandman, which, you know, I know lowers my nerd cred quite a bit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's on my list. But, yeah, not, uh, I don't know. I'm not a huge Neil Gaiman fan. But uh, I'm willing to try him out. Something I'm not, else again. like, a slobbering fangirl. But I like it, you know, on the whole. He's an enjoyable writer. I don't know if he'd like Good Omens. But other people do. So... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of fun, but it's also very dark and it's very poignant at the end. Like, it has a beautiful last line. I mean, I like Terry Pratchett a lot, too. So, those two coming together was really great. Going to recommend Good Omens. Even awesome. I haven't read it in a while because it'll ruin me for other books for a little bit. Is Terry Pratchett still alive? Yeah. Wow. He has Alzheimer's, it's been, though. He's been so sick it's not, for a while, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. That's um, sad. Yeah, it is. No, else is really, really sick. Or at least it looks it is, uh, and you know, not the the greatest guy in the world, but Frank Miller. I don't know why, but th- he's looked sort of cadaverous for a while now, though. <laughs> I I mean, the last time I saw him, like pictures of him, he was like directing the spirit, and like you know, was in his usual hat and whatever, and was very. I didn't know he was sick, but they have released pictures of him recently, and on a red carpet or something somewhere, and he does not look good uh i don't know what he i honestly don't know what he has and i think he's got some project uh he's gonna do another batman thing with uh scott snyder or something but he does not look good but uh yeah just reminded me of that okay <laughs> on that note on uh, crippling diseases my geek of the week i'm gonna pick uh the new thor uh which i've been reading and found very enjoyable is this the lady Keeping thor this is lady thor oh. uh by jason aaron and uh drawn by russell dodderman I picked it up. It was an impulse buy. I was curious about it and ends up being pretty great. I love Jason Aaron as a writer. I think he's one of the smarter big name comic writers out there. We had both his Marvel stuff and some of his creator owned stuff. And he is doing quite a good job in this one. It's got a nice blend of like modern snark and also the formalized Asgardian Shakespearean stuff. Doth the mother li- know who weareth her drapes? Yeah, that's right. And <laughs> this new Lady Thor, uh, I, I, we shouldn't call her Lady Thor. It's just it's Thor. Thor. She is yeah. Thor. It's, uh, she's a bit of a mystery where she speaks and while she's wielding the hammer, or even when she's not wielding the hammer, and she sounds Asgardian, but there is a internal monologue that she has that sounds human. 
so we don't know what her deal is, and that's interesting. The art is great. It's polished and very ornate without being soulless, which is usually an issue that comes up with a lot of Thor stuff in particular. Actually, too, for like Thor newbies, which I kind of am, I only know the movies, this is actually kind of, I think, designed for Thor newbies because the bad guys in this are the Ice Giants and Malekith, who was the bad guy if you remember his two lines in uh, the dark world and uh, he's oh, quite different the doctor yeah the doctor elf number nine? yeah yep the yeah. doctor he's quite different in the book thank god he's much more lively and sort of uh snark not snarky he's just uh he's a rascal he's a rascal in this and he's uh, manipulating the whole thing and you know i will say as much as i'm i'm going to recommend this i'm on the third issue i'm leafing through it right now and this can be a spoiler alert if you want to read this it's, it's all over the internet. It's not really a spoiler. Uh, <laughs> Out the, with it. the third issue ends with the male Thor returning. And I'm just like, that's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to commit to the change, I know I'm, this is just screaming at like, the wind like, at this point. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God, we're so progressive. Female Thor for three yeah. issues. I know. And in, in the, the male Thor was in the first issue issue because we learned you know him you know sort of giving up the the thor hammer or whatever and now he's back in the third issue and it's just like you didn't need to do that it does feel a little premature yeah a little insecure as well especially on the strength of what it's already been doing with the new character but i still recommend it and i'm looking forward to the fourth issue so there you go the new thor that's my geek of the week and the end of our episode let's go around and find out where we can find everybody on the internet Kristen. You can find me on Twitter at Nero's Liar. That's L-Y-R-E. You can find me on the internet, Rob, on Twitter at Heroes Are Boring. And uh, you can find this podcast on Twitter as well at Tisby Podcast. Uh, that's T-I-S-B for This Is Serious Business. And find us at TisbyCast.com, which is our official website. It has all our awesome stuff, blogs and episodes and all that kind of jazz. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess we want to wish everyone happy holidays. This is our last episode before probably the new year, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. So thanks for everyone for listening in 2014. Woo! Kristen, I wish you happy holidays. Same to you, Rob. And I don't know how to end this. Can't believe I made an entire hour and didn't talk about shipping once. Well, there were there as many opportunities? Oh, yeah. Tell me. There's Bag and Shield. Uh, there's basically <laughs> Thrangeville. Yeah, that's what it's called. Uh-huh. And then Thrangeville and Bard, who knew? But Yeah, they had a, a scene or two together. <laughs> that's how it is. Like, some people are like, oh my god, they make such a cute couple. And it's like, yep, they certainly are standing next to each other. <laughs> is, that, is that an actor we know? Yeah, it's Luke Evans. Oh. Bard? Yeah. He's Dracula. Yeah, Dracula. Yeah. For, you're <laughs> gonna Otherwise yell known me. to you as Dominic Cooper or... Yeah, Carl you know, I actually thought it might have been one of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking knew it. I'm watching oh, it and I'm so like, straight. I know he's got long hair and he's like, you know, covered in dirt and soaked and oh. everything. And I'm like, do I know this guy? And then I immediately thought... It could be one of those guys, and I might not know. (laughs) Oh, God. What's going on? Uh, nothing. I'm just getting my drink.
Sure. Are you, uh, is it an adult drink? <laughs> you bet. Wow, okay. Yeah, I almost wasn't, and then I saw it in the store and I bought it. It's kind of early here, but I'm, I'm wondering if I should just make a slight concession and do one. It would be very dwarfy of you. Yeah. Alright, I'll be right back. <laughs> it's almost noon. Oh god, I'm the worst enabler in the world. <laughs> I'll be right back. Alright. This is serious business. Oh, <laughs>